All right. Well, hey, uh, we are continuing our series uh, through Philippians. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we're, if you don't have a Bible, there's a blue Bible underneath your seat. Um, and we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And that's page uh, one, uh, sorry, 1,083. I wrote it as a time, 1083, which is not a time anyway on my sticky notes. That threw me off. Um, Anyway, uh, but yeah, so we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I'm sorry, yeah, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 this morning. And here at Flourishing Grace, we believe and know that this is the word of God given to us. And so in reverence to that, if you, if you can, would you stand as we read the word of God together? All right, it says this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has made known, or it, sorry, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of, uh, help of, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put, that not be at all ashamed, but that w- with Full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But... To remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is the word of the Lord. You can take a seat. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. How you guys doing? Good. Good. It's good to be with you guys. For those of you who are maybe new, my name is Josh Knight, uh, pastor of preaching and vision here at Flourishing Grace. And we are going to continue in this series in Philippians, obviously, because that's what Josh just read. Um, Also, before I forget, real quick, last week somebody left a a car key uh, here in, in the room, a little Ford car key with this little flipper thing that's like fun to play with. Is that you? Oh, you're going to blame your wife? Just like that. Just, just like that. Under the bus. Should I just drop it in the baptismal? Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm down to do it. Uh, you can come get this afterwards, but here's the deal. You have to sign up to, 
to cook a chili in order to get this back. So at the chili, okay, done, sweet. Cool. Hey, listen, seriously, though, the more cooks we have at the Chili Cook-Off, the better the event is. My house, we have invited every single one of our neighbors, and I mean that literally. Every single one of our neighbors has been invited. It's going to be a packed house here, I hope, on, on a Friday night. And so the more cooks, the better, even if you don't really cook things, uh, then cook a chili, because uh, we, we need a lot of cooks. We're hoping to get like 30 cooks. We have 10, so we need like 20 more people to be like, oh, yeah, I'll cook a, cook a chili. We would love to have you uh, cook a chili on Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's do this together. Um, Philippians uh, 1, where we are in this series, Indestructible Joy. For those of you who were here last Sunday, right, we talked about how Paul finds an indestructible joy in others, right? He, he looks at this church in Philippi, and he's filled with joy because of what Christ is doing in them. Um, if you want to go back, you can listen to that on our website, flourishinggrace.org, slash listen. It's all, it's all there. But this morning, Paul's going to show even greater joy, even more indestructible joy in his own life, in his own circumstances, right? And we've, we've seen uh, stories and heard stories or maybe even know people who have like the perfect circumstances of life. And, and yet don't have joy, don't have confidence, don't have courage. What we see here is Paul's indestructible joy, indestructible confidence, indestructible courage, right? The stories of people who make hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even billions of dollars, and yet they're, they're miserable. They have no, they have no joy. Or, or maybe that, that movie star, that beautiful actress or handsome actor who um, I mean, has exudes all of this confidence uh, on, on camera and on the screen. You see them, but in, in real life, there's just unbelievably insecure, filled with anxiety, never wanting to go outside, never wanting to deal with people, so introverted, so shy, just can't deal with people. Or, or maybe the, the superstar athlete who has uh, so much kind of courage on the field, but then off the field, right, is so timid and meek and, and just doesn't, wouldn't hurt a fly, right? We see, we see these stories and pictures all the time and circumstances that don't make sense. But here, we're going to see the opposite of that, a circumstance that's on the opposite end that doesn't make sense, right? Paul's circumstance, right, is miserable, and yet his joy is off the charts. His circumstances are, are completely hopeless, and yet his confidence, his courage, his boldness is, is just limitless. It's limitless, and it seems like nothing can take it away. And so we must ask, man, what is what is the secret to all of this? How does Paul do this? How does he cling to such joy? How does he cling to such confidence? Well, we're going to look this morning at a couple different circumstances that are revealed in the text, okay? A couple different uh, present circumstances, and then we're going to see a couple different future circumstances, okay? We're going to look at his present circumstances and his future circumstances. And the first thing that I want you to see is that indestructible joy in his present circumstances. Paul has indestructible joy in his present circumstances, which are not good. His confidence, his courage, his joy is not stifled by his present circumstances, right? You, you, if you build your life and you place your confidence in your circumstances, uh, it can be quickly taken away depending on what you put your confidence in or what you put your courage in or what you put your joy in, right? If you put your joy 
in your wealth, in your money, or in the success of your career, right? All it takes is the market to shift a little bit, for the economy to turn. And the next thing you know, all of that joy that you'd place there is gone. It's destructible joy. If you put your confidence in your health, Right? And I mean, that's, that's, that's where my confidence lies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live forever. I'm going to be able to do all the fun things that I want to do forever. Right? The moment the doctor calls, the moment you take that little slip off the ladder or whatever it is, it's gone. That, that, that confidence is gone. Maybe you put your courage uh, in your identity, this, 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 this work that you've put together for so long, for decades and decades and decades, you've been curating people's opinion of you, their view of you, the way that they see you. You are seen in a certain light, and there's, there's pride in, in that. In the moment that there's cracks begin to form, people can see through to what's really inside. It's gone. All of that confidence and all that courage and all that joy is gone. Maybe it's not even cracks. Maybe it's just people you've been accused of something even falsely. It's not even your fault. In an instant, in a moment, it can be, it can be gone. Our circumstances dictate I mean, how, how our joy and our confidence and our courage is, right? We, this, is not, this is not something new. You guys understand this. You've experienced this. Your circumstances in life have robbed you of joy. Your circumstances of life have robbed you of confidence. There's been moments where you have been embarrassed. Some of you deeply embarrassed, right? Some of the, it's now maybe you look back and it's funny, but in that moment, it wasn't funny for you. Your circumstances robbed you of confidence and courage and even joy. But not for Paul. Nothing can take those things from him. So the question that we must ask is what has Paul built his life on? Where has he hung his confidence? Where has he hung his courage? Where has he hung his joy? We're going to look, Paul reveals or gives us kind of two things in his present circumstances. And neither one of them are good, but he, it just oozes with joy in the midst of these no good circumstances. The first is his imprisonment. He says it this way in verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All right, the, the imprisonment, Paul's imprisonment has not stopped him from achieving his life's greatest goal. It has not thwarted that, to advance the gospel. He says, it, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The, the thing that I've banked my life on has actually advanced in my imprisonment. Paul's been imprisoned in Rome, and he says, man, the entire imperial guard knows that my imprisonment is for Christ. They've heard the gospel. They've heard the sweetness and the goodness of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. And they're like, you're in, you're in prison for that? Like, what's going on? The, the imperial guard is, is dumbfounded by the gospel of Jesus. Nothing can thwart this. Paul's courage, his confidence, and his joy are built on what God is doing rather than on what he is doing or what he's even going to do. 
And therefore, it cannot be thwarted or diminished, but rather it's always growing. It's always growing. Now, this is not true for most of us, right? M- most of us, our courage and our confidence and joy are placed in all of our, all these temporary things that, in our life that, that are based on our present circumstances or our future circumstances. And there's seasons of life where that's good. And there's seasons of life when it's all falling apart. But for Paul... No matter what comes, nothing is going to rob him from this. In prison, he sees the work of Christ continuing because it's not dependent on him. It's not dependent on him. It's dependent on Christ. And Christ is not thwarted by Paul's imprisonment. And so Paul can rejoice all the more. Paul can have courage all the more. He can have confidence all the more because his courage, his confidence, and his joy are all in Christ. We see this even further in the next section, right? He has, he has confidence and courage and joy in the selfishness of others. We talked about this last week, this idea that I mean, others can bring us joy. We talked about that last week. But nothing can suck our joy like others, okay? Other people can destroy our joy so easily. A little bit of workplace drama, a, a, a little bit of family selfishness, uh, right? a, a, a little bit of your, your friend uh, stabbing you in the back or saying something about you on social media, right? Like there's nothing can suck our joy like other people. But Paul says, no, no, no one can take my joy. No one can take it. Here's how he puts it. This is what's going on in verse 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, like insincerity, but thinking Listen, to afflict me. They're intentionally doing it to afflict Paul, to suck his joy in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Now, we are not sure exactly what is happening here. Right, based on the language of Paul, right, we can kind of narrow it in, but but it's still we're not hundred percent sure who's doing what here. What's happening, at least the best we can tell, so Paul Paul's obviously in prison. He's in prison in Rome, right, for the proclamation of the gospel. Um, and and while he's in prison, some Christians, members of the church, are taking advantage of Paul being away, right? Paul, Paul has been taken away, um, and so they're free to kind of advance themselves, um, gain their own notoriety, gain their own fame, gain their own status or prominence within the church. Okay, so what's happening here is not, at least best we can tell, is not heresy. They're not, they're not proclaiming something other than Christ. Paul says, no, 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 Christ is being preached. Praise God for that, right? So, and so, so many of Paul's letters, you have the the Judaizers who are trying to turn the Christians back to, 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 to Judaism, uh, or, or you have some other uh, heresy, some, some, uh, some pagan gods that are trying to be worshipped or something like that. That's not, that doesn't seem to be what's happening here. Right? You have men in the church who say, man, while Paul's away, man, now we can become the big shots. 
right? We, we can be the ones who kind of have the power and have the control over this church. And Paul says, whatever. I mean, they're, they're proclaiming Christ, right? So, therefore, my life's goal, my life's aim is still being built, right? It's not being thwarted because nothing can thwart Christ. Nothing can stop him because he's, he's already won. Christ is winning regardless of my circumstances. Christ is winning regardless of Paul's circumstances. And Christ is winning regardless of your circumstances. It's, it's not up to me. It, the, the advancing of the kingdom, the, the, the fame of Jesus is not up to Josh Knight. It's not up to even flourishing grace. It's not up to our friends at, at the bridge in Centerville or uh, Redeeming Life or uh, Alpine or, or a Mountain Road. It's not, it's not up to any local church at all. It's not, it's not up to us. There, Christ is going to win. The, the kingdom in South Davis County is going to continue to advance regardless of our circumstances. We could, we could have a, a miserable time. We could all be thrown in prison. This place could be closed down. Christ is going to continue to win because he's already won. Christ already won on the cross. The victory is his. He conquered sin. So therefore, all of my circumstances cannot diminish what he's, what he's conquered in me or what he's conquered in you. And he's also won the victory over death. And so no matter what comes in the future, it, it, can't, it can't diminish his victory. Christ has already won. His kingdom's already established. He will rule and reign all things forever and ever and ever, regardless of what happens in my life or regardless of whatever happens in yours. And so what Paul does is he banks his life on that. He says, I'm going to put everything that I have, all of my identity, all of my courage, all of my hope, all of my joy, all of it is banked on Christ. And he can't lose. Can't lose. That's Paul's secret. He's built his life, every square inch of it, on Christ. And he can't lose because Christ has already won. The victory is his. Nothing can thwart him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the conqueror of sin. He's the conqueror of death. It, it, it cannot contain him or hold him. Nothing can stop him. He's an unstoppable force. And so Paul says, man, none of that's true of me. And none of it's true of you. If you bank your life on your career, that's, that, that is destructible. If you bank your life on your health, it's destructible. In fact, it's guaranteed to be destructible. If you bank your life on your friendships, it's destructible. If you bank your life on your family, it's destructible. Bank your life on Christ, indestructible. This is what Paul has done. Everything for him is Christ. Paul has built his life on Christ, and therefore no human circumstance can affect his core indestructible hopes joys, identity, confidence, and courage. So here's the question. What are your current circumstances? Like, how are you doing? Or as we say in our path groups here at Flourishing Grace, what's the condition of your heart right now? How are you doing? How's your joy? How's your courage? How's your confidence? How are you doing? 
Seriously, though, how are we? I don't ask that as a rhetorical question. I ask that as something that you need to actually think about. How are you? What is robbing your joy right now? What is sucking your confidence right now? What is diminishing your courage right now? How are you doing? For some of us in the room, it is not lost on me that we are in a season of life where we are absolutely consumed with with emotions that are the opposite of confidence, courage, and joy. Some of us are consumed with sorrow and pain and agony and mourning. And we, we can't even see it. We can't even answer the question because, because we, are, because our, we are blinded by our own tears. Some of us are consumed with anger and rage, and we are just, just violently upset. We can't even see it because all we can see is red. It's all we can see. Everything is just, like, that's just where we are right now. That our circumstances have robbed us of our joy, have robbed us of confidence, have robbed us of our identity, whatever it is for you, right? And all you can see is either pain and, and sorrow or anger and anxiety. I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I do know. You've been given an amazing gift. If you're wise enough to see it. God has planted a flag right there. Right there, that's the spot. Right there. Whatever that thing is that is sucking your joy, that's an amazing gift. As God's saying, right there it is. That's the thing that you've banked your life on. That's the thing that you've put your confidence in. That's the thing that you've put your joy in. Right there, do you see it? It's right there. Look at it. It's an amazing gift to know the place where I've failed so clearly. I've invested in the wrong thing. I've put too much stock in the wrong thing. This is the source. My pride is in this. My confidence is in this. And because it's failing me, I'm just furiously angry. Or because it's failing me, I'm losing my mind. I'm an unbelievable sorrow, an unbelievable pain in my life. Paul says, I've ridded all of those things from my life. I put no stock in them. I put no hope, no confidence, no courage, no joy in any of it. That's a secret. It's a secret. It's all in Christ. Every ounce of it. So what do you need to do in order to recenter, or maybe for the first time, to center your life on Christ? What in your life is fighting for and perhaps even often winning the battle for your confidence, courage, and joy? What's winning the battle? What's stealing it from you? Where do you need to uproot some areas of your life and to reorient them on Christ? To say, man, no, Christ will be king in this area of my life. Christ will be all in this area of my life. Maybe this week with your path group, that's what you need to do. You just need to sit down and have a time of confession where you say, man, God has given me an amazing gift. I know I've been exposed. Here's the place in my life where I put my joy, where I put my confidence, where I put my hope. This is it. This is the place. This is the source of my pain and sorrow. And I need help reorienting my life on Christ, uprooting this and unearthing it and doing some really work here. Maybe going back and talk, talking to your, to your, to your family and, and saying, man, why, why do I care so much about this? 
What is it in my, even my upbringing that has, has made me care so much and so passionate about this thing? And why do I put so much stock in this and how people see me or the amount of money that I have or my accomplishments, my successes, uh, my identity, my, 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 my looks, my charm, my, whatever it is. Why do I put so much stock in that? Help me see it and help me uproot it and center it on Christ. Paul loses no joy in his present circumstances, but he also loses no joy in his future circumstances. This confidence and courage and joy is not stifled even by death. He has indestructible joy in future circumstances. That's the second thing I want you to see. He has indestructible joy in future circumstances, even, even death. Death cannot take this from Paul. There's one thing that always wins. It always wins. When it comes to our joy and our confidence and our courage, death wins. Death takes all of those things. But Paul says, not mine. Not mine. I still have indestructible confidence and joy. Paul looks right at death with full joy and full confidence. Here's how he says it at the very end of verse 18, beginning of 19. He says, yes, I will rejoice. I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Death takes everything. And Paul sits in prison and he knows the outcome, the outcome of my imprisonment might be my death. Paul might be put to death for his crime of proclaiming that Jesus is king, not Caesar. Paul is sitting in a Roman prison, and he knows that this might be his last place that he ever lives. Now, he is going to get out of prison, okay? He will be released from prison, right? Later be rearrested and later eventually killed. But in this imprisonment, he will be set free. But he doesn't know that. And he looks right at it, and he says, fine, fine. How? Death takes everything, all of your life accomplishments, Everything that you've ever been successful in, your business, your career, your family, your, 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 your health, your, 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 your looks, your, your confidence, your identity, all of that ends in death. All of it. Your, all of your joys, all of your confidence, all of your courage, all of your hope, death is the end. But Paul says, death takes none of that from me. In First uh, Corinthians 15, right, Fam- famously Paul says, Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where is it? Doesn't hurt me. Right? D- death death is, causes uh, so much pain. Paul says, there's no pain in death for me. In fact, he says, man, death is gain. For me, to live as Christ, to die, is gain. Now, how is that gain? 
You see, Paul, for Paul, this is not some escape. Death is not an escape for Paul, right? For, for many, we say, many, yes, death is gain because I get to ex- escape this sorrow. I get to escape this despair. I get to escape this anxiety. I get to escape all this pain. No, 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 not for Paul. Paul is living in joy. He has indestructible joy. He has indestructible confidence. He has indestructible hope. He's not trying to escape life. For me to live is Christ, he says. Right? This is, life is good. Life is Christ. Death is gain. Because in death, right, all of Paul's hopes, joys, confidence, all of it is not dependent on his ability to keep living. It's not dependent on that. If he dies, he's in the full presence of Christ. He gets more of Christ. To live, he gets Christ. To die, he gets even more of Christ. It's gain for him. It's all beautiful, wonderful gain. Whether he lives or dies, whether he's executed or released, Paul is determined to rejoice. Death is not an obstacle to his life's mission. It's not an obstacle to his life's mission. Dying is gain. It leads to union with Christ, the goal of his life. Everything in Paul's life is Christ. That's the goal. Nothing can thwart the work of Christ. As long as Paul can keep Christ as his chief aim, his chief goal and prize, he can't lose. He can't lose, whether in life or in death. This is why he can say with indestructible confidence, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? In the Greek, right, life is Christ. Death is Christ. This is what Paul is saying. My life is Christ. My joy is Christ. My identity is Christ. My hope is Christ. My imprisonment is Christ. My freedom is Christ. Everything's Christ. And my death, my death is Christ. Even more Christ. It's all gain. He can't lose unless he fails to place it on Christ. He says it. He says in verse 20, he says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. Paul realizes there's a way for him to be put, be put to shame. If he takes his eyes off Christ. But he has full courage, now as always, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. If Paul takes his eyes off his goal, he would be put to shame. He can't lose unless the goal changes. The source of his joy changes. The source of his confidence changes. The source of his identity changes. Then he loses. But again, his confidence is in Christ. He knows that Christ will keep him there. Here's the true reality. So many Christians are afraid of death. They fear it. They think about it and it stresses them out. They think about it and it brings pain to their life, thinking of all the things that they're going to miss out on because Christ is not their ultimate goal. Again, when you think about death and you have this worry, this concern, this stress, this anxiety, ask yourself, where is that coming from? Well, I won't be able to see my grandkids anymore. I wouldn't be able to see my kids anymore. 
Uh, I, would, I would lose my career or my, my wealth or whatever it is. What, what, what is it for you? What's the, what's the pain? Again, there you have another flag, a gracious gift from God to say, you've put stock in that, more stock than you've put in me. You've banked your life on something other than me. In uh, April 9th, 1945, uh, one of my great heroes uh, was put to death, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, at dawn, he was hung at Flossenburg Concentration Camp in Germany. Right? Bonhoeffer was um, one, of the, one of the greatest theologians of, of all time, uh, especially in the past 100 years, uh, for sure. Um, Bonhoeffer was just this amazing, amazing man, uh, a German theologian. He was put to death for an assassination plot on the life of Adolf Hitler. Uh, he and a few of his best friends said, man, we've got to do something. Something's got to change. Like, this, is, this has just gotten to a place after 10 years of Nazi rule and reign. Like, something has to happen. And Bonhoeffer was put to death for that. And, and the doctor at the concentration camp remembers Bonhoeffer's death. Uh, years later, he's like, I remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And the reason why he remembered him was because the morning of Bonhoeffer's uh, execution, the doctor goes to open uh, his cell or goes to where he's sleeping in this concentration camp, and Bonhoeffer is, is praying fervently. And the doctor says that he, he stands, he, he, he rises with such boldness and confidence and, and walks out to his death. Uh, later, the doctor remarks, he says it this way, he says, in almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Would it have been better for Bonhoeffer to survive? Just a few more weeks, the war is over, and the prisoners in Flossenburg are released would have been better for Bonhoeffer to just survive a few more weeks. He was engaged to be married for his bride. Yes, it would have been better. It would have been better. He had so many friends in the, in the confessing underground, the underground confessing church in Germany. Would have been better for them. Yes, it would have been better for them. Would have been better for Germany, right, to have this great pillar of faith, this theologian who, who sees so clearly the wickedness of the Nazi party and, the, and what's happening in Germany. It would have been better for Germany to have him. Maybe even better for the whole world. But would it have been better for him? No. Death is greater gain. It's greater gain. Paul understands this. He says it to, to the church. He's like, I can't decide which is better. I know which one's better for me, but, but if I stay, it's better, it's better for you. That your joy would increase through my proclamation of the gospel. That's, I, I want that. I want that so much. But at the same time, like, what I really want is just to go be with Christ. That would be so much better. And I, I, want, I want so badly to be freed from the things of this world. And here's the wonderful truth. Someday, if you are in Christ... I know, I know not everybody in the room or everybody watching online is, but if you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Him, you will be freed from all the pains of this world. The dawn of complete, total, indestructible joy is our death or His return, whichever comes first. But until then, I actually think that we can lay hold of indestructible joy and confidence and courage 
in our present circumstances and in any future circumstance, including death. If you build your life on Christ and Christ alone, he must be all. And so what area of your life is he not all? What area of your life are you still clinging to and saying, man, I got to hold on to this one? My prayer for you today is that you'd release that, that you'd actually find freedom and greater joy and greater confidence, greater courage and greater hope. Let me pray for you.